0: Are you an athlete tired of annoying injuries holding you back from peak performance then this podcast is for you Here we share our expert opinion on hot topics of physical therapy injury prevention sports performance and sometimes other random thoughts I'm your host dr. Ells. Welcome to the
1: charlotte athlete podcast
0: Welcome back to the charlotte athlete podcast. This is your host dr. Ells. We have dr. Andrew in the booth Today we're talking about the foot and the ankle
1: Excited to be here. Always enjoy talking about the foot and ankle.
0: So, as we just start, you know, depart on a discussion about the ankle and the foot, we are going to make sure that we're covering the things that are your movement problems, uh, just like the other regions of the body that we've gone over, uh, not your fractures, your torn ligaments, uh, the lateral ankle sprain, the high ankle sprain, nothing like that, or any blunt force trauma. This is the stuff that plagues you because of movement. Uh, Andrew, would you like to go over why that has become such a rampant thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when it it comes to the foot and ankle, there are two main faulty or impaired movement patterns that lead to over 90% of all foot and ankle issues. And those two are what's called insuf- what we call insufficient dorsiflexion syndrome and also what we call lateral com- column compression syndrome which is essentially a collapsing arch or an overpronation. And so, let's jump into this a little bit further for you guys. So, what's interesting is that, you know, most collapsing arches are actually due to lacking ankle dorsiflexion. And dorsiflexion that's just your toes to nose upward motion the ankle produces. So, let's start off our discussion here today talking about insufficient Dorsiflexion. So, insufficient ankle dorsiflexion, like I said, that toes and nose motion, it is super, super common, like super common. And it can cause pain in a ton of different areas in and around the foot and the ankle.
0: Exactly. And not to mention how much it impacts everything up the chain, like the knee, the hip, the sacroiliac joint or the SIJ, and the low back.
1: Yeah, glad you mentioned that. I mean, it affects movement in such a profound way. And what's interesting, you know, when it comes to to this movement impairment is the, the lack of ankle dorsiflexion can cause the foot to compensate in so many different ways which is why is the root cause of so many different injuries so again pain is going to be located in various locations depending on how the athlete's foot and ankle decides to compensate for that for lacking that true ankle dorsiflexion and so to drive this point home i want to give you guys a list Okay, so everything I'm about to say is caused by lacking sufficient dorsiflexion, okay? Ankle impingement, plantar fasciitis, calf strains, Achilles tendon issues, heel spurs, Calcaneal, calcaneal bursitis, uh, shin splints, which is also called medial tibial stress syndrome, peroneal neuritis, ankle impingement, lateral impingement, metatarsalgia. If anyone's had that, it sucks. Uh, lateral ankle instability, tarsal tunnel syndrome, digital neuroma, turf toe, posterior tibi, tibial, posterior tendon, uh, posterior tibialis tendon issues. Sorry about that. Uh, every one of those, every one of those has a component of lacking. Ankle, true ankle, dorsiflexion in them. Whoa, whoa, whoa!
0: After all of that, that huge list of foot and ankle issues, um, how is it like one impairment calling all of these things? Because that is so many different, you know, pains and syndromes and stuff like that. Why would we have so many ways to compensate rather than just one way to compensate?
1: Great question. It depends. It, it really just depends on the environment, like meaning um, the sport that you play. Um, you know, you're in the weight room, the training that you do. Um, you know what you do for work, or if you're a student, or if you're an athlete, like what you do throughout, um, you know your throughout your day, uh, the footwear that you that you wear, you know just all the different elements that you subject your body to. I know that's really general and broad, but that's why there's just everyone is a little bit different in their day-to-day activities, and that's what can really lead to, you know, just all different types of injuries. Of course, there's patterns of certain injuries with certain sports, but even in those situations, each individual athlete is going to have differences in the way that they move, like I said, and all those factors I mentioned, all the way down to you know to their footwear and to literally if they stand on one foot versus another when they're waiting in line at the grocery store. Like There's hundreds of different things.
0: Common movement impairment that we see for the ankle.
1: So then we have what we call lateral column compression syndrome. It's a whole bunch of words, and it's all that essentially is is an over-collapsing arch or uh, a flat foot, a functional flat foot. And so <clears throat> this can occur, a big surprise, with or without lacking that dorsiflexion. So always got to check for the dorsiflexion first. But this uh, this impaired moving pattern largely has to do with basically the athlete being unable to sufficiently stabilize the foot um, in weight-bearing, you know, in standing, which creates overpronation or excessive collapse of the arch. Um, And all this means is that essentially it's a strength issue at heart. And so the presentation that we'll see when an athlete comes in is is we'll see excessive tension or stretching on the inside of the foot where that medial side is collapsing, but then also excessive compression on the lateral side of the foot, the outside of the foot, and all the structures that exist there. And so because of this, and again, just like the insufficient dorsiflexion syndrome that we talked about, it can lead to a ton of different pain locations as well. And it just, again, depends on the environment you put it in and what you do all day long. Okay, so now that we have an idea on the two most common ways our foot and ankle can move to cause pain and injuries else, when an athlete walks through our door with one of these two, what does a typical treatment session consist of here at the Charlotte Athlete?
0: Well, the number one thing we want to make sure that the athlete knows is why it's happening. Uh, Because without that, I mean, 50% of the problem is just the awareness. So being aware of the things that you're doing during your day that cause these compensations that, you know, turns into a pain is really important. Not only what's going on, but how to fix it. Those adjustments that you need to do day-to-day that helps you put yourself in a better position for success uh so that's number one education is always number one with us uh we also obviously we've talked about our fellowship training and manual therapy so manual therapy comes right up as number two there um and then exercise so those three components are the big ones because we do not spend you know waste our time waste your time doing those passive modalities uh that don't necessarily get you back any faster um, we need to move. A lot of the athletes, they're struggling from, you know, excess stress with these uh, injuries, and we need to make sure that they can get right back into moving and not be deconditioned.
1: So we'll be some, let's start off with, what'd you say first, education component. Let's, let's start there. What are some common, just some common trends that we see um, or just, you know, things that the listener, if they're dealing with any foot and ankle issues, they can now apply these concepts to help reduce pain and just start to head down the right path.
0: Yeah, so what we've talked about before, those RMPPs, those things that, you know, are the root what cause. Is, what is RMPP? Those repeated movements and prolonged postures. We've talked about that a couple of different times now, but uh, that's the acronym we're using for there. Um, and those things are the, the guys that are sneaky, that are not necessarily painful, but get you into, you know, this, this issue. Uh, footwear and standing position are two big ones. So as you guys probably have recognized or may now recognize – a lot of your footwear is very comfortable, <laughs> and to a, honestly, to a degree that maybe not so beneficial. The big giant raised heel, uh, the slope from heel to toe, actually keeps you more in that plantar flexion, which just means that you're in a, a like a miniature heel um, all day. So you're never actually getting to dorsiflexion. And then number two, just miniature st-
1: heel, heel, oh like yeah. like heels, yeah, like heels. Okay. Okay.
0: I guess that didn't make any sense. Again.
1: <laughs> no, that's, I'll just clarify. No. Yeah, auditory podcast.
0: If We had a picture of that. Um, and then number two would be that standing position. That's another one that a lot of athletes get into where they just kind of avoid it. it and this is not something you're trying to do. It's just a very accidental position, but uh, a lot of football players will be standing with hyperextended knees, which just means those knees are all the way locked out and just almost, if you can behind you, uh, keeping you in that plantar flexion again, like that toe down position. Those are two big ones.
1: Yeah, to build off that, the standing one. I mean, if you're, if you're an athlete that stands all day, maybe through your job or um, you know, it, whatever your circumstances are. If you, if anyone who does a lot of standing or they're on their feet walking all day, you're basically using your calf muscles all the time, constantly. Just if you're st- if you're just standing and not moving, you're still using your calf muscles, and that's gonna cause them to become or head into a, what's called a hypertonic state, or basically they're always being worked, and so. Um, whenever a muscle is constantly being worked, it's over time, it's just going to start to stiffen, stiffen up. And then when your calf muscles stiffen up, it's going to result in that lacking, uh, that lack of dorsiflexion that we discussed.
0: In addition to cleaning up a lot of that, the soft tissue around the joint, uh, we have to get into the well, joint itself. So those things, and apologize for all these, these words, a little scientific here, that can include are the tail joint, the subtalar joint working the big toe and the extension ability there, the cuboid, uh, the fibula, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of joints in the foot and that's another reason why all these variations and all these compensations can occur. So there's a lot of things that we would need to get through to make sure that whatever your personal issue are, is, is solved.
1: Yeah, and there's also you know other things at the chain, of course. You know, There's something that, can, that we call an upslip, which can happen all the way up in the pelvis or the sacroiliac joint, which can affect leg length differences, or that you know there can also be what's called an anterior-posterior nominate rotation up there in the pelvis, and so you know if the le- if the leg length is different because of a pelvic uh, because of a pelvic issue, that's going to affect whether that foot and ankle is in relative uh, ankle dorsiflexion or flexion. So. We're looking all the way up the chain, you know, we're checking out the hip, the knee, you know, everything that might be related to the athlete and their specific sport. Exactly.
0: So after we get through the manual therapy, the next step would be the exercise, getting you moving, making sure that you have enough strength to then support the positions that we just cleaned up with some of our hands-on stuff. So a lot of self-mobilizations to dorsiflexion is a great one to start at home because the ankle is a very stubborn joint and it takes time. Not only does it take time, but it takes effort. So getting through that multiple times a day is usually something we start off from just the rip. Um, but then the next big area is the eccentric control. That is very key to getting through all of this ankle dysfunction. Uh, let's talk about those two main areas. So eccentric control of the gastric and soleus, so those big muscles in the back side of the compartment of your leg, those control how the tibia advances over the foot during movement. So it's imperative to make sure that those things are controlled and that's what eccentrics mean is truly control or being able to slow yourself down Um, and then the next part would be the eccentric control of the anterior compartment because it's constantly in an actively insufficient state meaning that since you're never getting to true dorsiflexion it's never being challenged enough Um, so if you get through both of those guys and you can actually control the eccentrics it'll be huge for your recovery uh, because you'll be able to accept force and then translate it through that joint instead of having to compensate and get away out of it. Especially as an athlete, like your jumper, sprinter, uh, anything like that, runner. I mean, you're doing that constantly. And when you're running, what is it, like 6.5 times your body weight going through each foot every single time you're landing. So you have to be able to control all of that force.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and just to kind of uh, jump on top of that, I mean, those are without a doubt, I mean, else you hit on the you hit the nail on the head. Like, those are the most important components that we have to hit from an exercise standpoint. And then, you know, we always just clean up any anything else that may be relevant. And, you know, this can oftentimes be sport specific It can oftentimes be uh, injury-specific, you know, pain-generator-specific. Like, for example, if we're, if we have posterior tibialis uh, tendon dysfunction, then our eccentrics are going to extend beyond just the the main uh, muscles of the posterior compartment, but we're going to want to do eccentrics towards that posterior tib muscle as well. You know, same thing with uh, plantar fasciitis, for example. There's this thing called the windlass effect, and that that's basically your your foot's ability to become rigid when it uh, when when you, to propel yourself forward when you're walking, running, sprinting, and when that uh, when that effect becomes dysfunctional then it, it's one of the contributing factors to, to you know, plantar fasciitis, which if anyone's had that before, freaking sucks. Um, so we're gonna be doing some additional exercise specifics to, or different specific exercises, excuse me, to improve this wind loss effect. And then one last example, you know, the all chin splints, right? The medial tibial stress syndrome, as a technical term for it. You know, we're, of course, we're hitting the eccentrics, um, you know, just like we, just like Els mentioned, posterior compartment, uh, anterior compartment, but we're really, really, you know, making sure that anterior compartment is doing what it needs to do and being able to control that foot as it kind of slaps down towards the ground um, so you know we're gonna we're, and then these are just a few examples obviously there's a ton depending on the sport depending on the pathology or the injury that you're presenting with everything will become very specialized to you know to the to certain circumstance
0: exactly just getting through like Andrew said all those specifics and making sure that you return to sport without having a hiccup that ramp is all the way back into your sport. Well, thank you for listening to our foot and ankle podcast. Uh, Like we've obviously gone over, there's tons of variables for that almost one dysfunction. Uh, But if you guys have any questions surrounding the foot and ankle, and honestly anything at all, we're here to listen. We're here to answer your questions. We would love to do some AMA uh, with you guys. So hit us up in the socials or however you would like to do it.
1: Just remember, if you got foot and ankle pain, Start working on ankle dorsiflexion. Just hit up, hit up uh, Doctor Google. Hit up YouTube. Um, there's a ton of things in there. Give us a call. Give, you know, shoot us a message. We'd be happy to help. But just remember, if you're dealing with some of this stuff, you really can't go wrong with starting to improve that ankle dorsiflexion. So start, start giving it a go, and uh, let us know if you guys need any help.
0: Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.
1: All right, catch y'all later.